Oh, this morning, everything that we're doing is a response to this overwhelming, reckless love of God. Today, we have uh, designated as Baptism Celebration Sunday. Uh, As a church and as Christian people, so often, we don't celebrate the way we ought to. That's what I love about Senior Sunday. We get to celebrate these young men, then tonight we give them to give a, a good banquet to them and their families and celebrate what they've accomplished. But, but if we'd be honest, when most people think about church people, they don't think about people who celebrate well. You, you don't hear non-Christians say, well, man, I'm telling you what, we've had a good party tonight, but those church people, they really know how to party. <laughs> or, or maybe you don't hear someone who's gone to Tumor's Corner after a big win go, Oh my goodness, this was a great celebration, but just go to Landmark tomorrow. It'll pale in comparison to that. I can't believe I mentioned Tumor's Corner, okay? I promise you, I I didn't poison them. But, I mean, we just don't celebrate the way we ought to. And I'm tired of the world celebrating and us not celebrating the way we could. And today we want to celebrate two things. We want you to remember your baptism. And we're going to celebrate every baptism in this room. And for those of you who have never been baptized, today we invite you to consider being baptized even here today. And boy, will we celebrate. Let's go to Romans chapter 6 as we start this study. This is a passage we landed on last Sunday. I think it's the greatest passage that explains why getting dunked in a pool of water could be so significant. But the interesting thing about this is that's not why the passage was written. The passage was written to a bunch of Christians to say, you need to remember your baptism. Because in in this passage, they're starting to go back into life of sin because God's grace is so wonderful. They think the more they sin, the more grace they'll get. And Paul says, my goodness, you don't understand your baptism if you're doing that. Listen, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, Through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we'll certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What's he saying? I want you to remember your baptism. Two things I want you to write down as you're taking notes. First of all, baptism is a marker. Paul says there's a line of demarcation here. Baptism is that marker that says, you used to have this life, your old life, now you have a new life. Your old person, sinful person's over here, and now this marker's here, and now you're a brand new person. Now, Paul is quick to point out the power in that moment is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But God knows we are people who need markers in our life. I hear that more often than not in Landmark 101 when we talk about the gospel and the response to the gospel. So many people say, I I really want to be baptized because I need that physical moment, that minute, that moment in time that marks a new beginning because my life's not been what it ought to be. I want that. So it's a marker. Second, baptism is a reminder. 
Baptism is something that you look back on. And Paul says when you look back on it and you remember what happened at your baptism, what God did for you, and the vows you made to God at your baptism, it's going to make you live better today. You see, bottom line, what Paul is asking in this verse, these verses is, are you living like a baptized person? You can't go back into your sin because something amazing happened at your baptism. When you have that outburst of anger, that's not what a baptized person would do. When you're full of forgiveness and bitterness, when in baptism you receive this amazing forgiveness, you're not acting like a baptized person. When you have those habits that don't glorify God and you give in to those over and over again, that's not what baptized people do. The way you speak to your spouse or the way you speak to people at work, my goodness, you've now been filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't represent the fruit of the Spirit. You're not acting like a baptized person. When your priorities are everywhere but with the Lord, ain't no way a baptized person that embraces that moment would live that way. So he said, remember it. Reminds me, baptism reminds me so much of a wedding ceremony. So critical. And yet it's meant like a wedding ceremony to be a marker. You know, when you come up on a stage like this and you're baptized, you're marking the moment when you go from being single to being married. And it's a fabulous reminder. That's why we have anniversaries, right? Because at least yearly, we need to remember that God brought us together. You say, I don't know if that's that important. Well, if you're married, just forget it. And you will find out how important it was, right? You will be reminded by somebody close to you that you forgot it. Why? Because you want to remember that. And that's the role that baptism plays for us today. So if you've been baptized today, one exercise we're going to do is we're going to get you to remember what that moment was like, what you experienced, and what you walked away with. So everybody here that's been baptized wants you to remember that. But also the purpose today is for us to consider your baptism. If you have never been baptized today, please don't turn me off today. I want to talk straight to your heart. And I want to take you to a passage of a person who entered this story with no clue he'd be baptized. But by the end of the story, he can't help but be baptized. Go to Acts chapter 8. That's a, a great book in your Bible. Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts is the story about the response to the good news of Jesus. Acts is the story that tells us what happens when people surrender their life to Jesus. And this is one of the great stories. Look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip's a preacher. Philip is in Samaria. He's preaching a fabulous revival. Hundreds of people are coming to the Lord. But the angel says to Philip, I want you to leave there. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he says, I want you to go because there's somebody God's got their eyes on. Who is it? Verse 27. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Now, if you're reading Acts, this is part of the gospel, as Jesus predicted, going from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. For a Greek or Roman person, that Ethiopian country in Africa was like the ends of the earth. And so Philip goes by the command of the Spirit, and he meets this man. Now, let's just be honest. This, this man is, a, is a, a colored man. He's a black man. Guys, 
way before we thought about forgiveness as a choice tomorrow night, is a time for reconciliation. God's people from the very beginning were about breaking down barriers that the world put. And this is one of those barriers that's broken down right here. Now, this guy is a very important man. It seems that he's the finance minister for the queen. Now, her name is not Candace. Candace simply means queen of the Ethiopians. So he's got this really important job. It appears that he must be rather uh, successful and has plenty of income. He can afford a chariot. He could even buy an ancient scroll, which was expensive then and still is today. Eunuchs were oftentimes trusted in royal positions because they couldn't be as easily bribed. And so this Ethiopian eunuch is in this powerful position. Now look at what's going on here. Middle verse 27. This man, this Ethiopian man, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now we find out more about him. He's searching. He's, been, he's an Ethiopian guy. He's going to Jerusalem to worship. Now one thing we know, a eunuch was not allowed to go into the temple. And yet this guy wants to get as close as he can to what God is doing. He can't become a Jewish convert, but he can be known as a God-fearer, a God-worshipper. And so that sets up our story. We got this preacher willing to go anywhere God wants him to go. We got this Ethiopian man who's searching. Look what happens. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip said, ask. How can I? He answered, unless someone explains it to me. I mean, I'm reading this Bible, but like so many of us, it's not making sense. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. A chariot probably was big enough, like a covered cart. You probably could have four people in there easily. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. It's from the book of Isaiah. If you know anything about Isaiah, it's full of prophecies about Jesus. Some people actually call Isaiah the the gospel of Isaiah because he's got the good news. And he's reading probably the most beautiful, predictive prophecy about Jesus. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. It was a lamb before it, sheer, silent. So he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. We'll get deeper in that in a moment. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? I can't tell. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And shockingly, he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they'd come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Wow, what a story. 
And today, if you've never been baptized, I want you to consider some things about this man that may match up with you. First of all, this man was searching. I mean, here's a guy who doesn't grow up in a Jewish faith, quite the opposite, and yet he knows there's got to be more to life than what he's got. And so, man, he's, he's willing to travel a long distance all the way to Jerusalem to figure this thing out. And yet he's still having a hard time. I remember a testimony given on this stage years ago by a young man who said, All my life I kept searching for the answers, but every road I would go down was like a dead-end road. And I went to one dead-end road after the other before I met Jesus. And that's what happens to this eunuch. He's searching. He knows he needed more. And guys, for many of us, we spend our life searching for the answer, searching for meaning, when it's right here in this story in front of us. So this man was searching. Second, this man was convicted by Scripture. This guy's got a scroll. He's so intense about finding God, he's reading it. Now, understand that this day, people hardly ever read in silence. It just, it just, it's not the way people read. They always read out loud. And he's reading it. And this preacher comes up before him. He says, please explain this to me. And this man is convicted by what God has said that he needs to surrender his life to Jesus. My friends, I want to say something specific here. We are supposed to live our lives under Scripture, okay? We, we are to be obedient. We don't live over Scripture. We live under Scripture. And one thing is a church, if you're our guest today, we are committed that Scripture is what gives the answer. We live under Scripture. And as we live under Scripture, we're obedient. You see, so often I think I'm over Scripture. I read a Scripture that makes sense to me. I go, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Or that's not the way I grew up in church thinking. Or, you know, that can't mean that. Well, no, no. What we're to do is to be obedient under Scripture. And when it comes to baptism, I want you to think about some of the things we've been studying the last few weeks. I mean, just live under these scriptures. Mark 16, 15, and 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 2, 38. When they've heard the gospel, they go, what do we do? The preacher says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the forgiveness of your sins. When Saul of Tarsus is thinking about giving his life to Jesus. Ananias says, what in the world are you waiting up? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. If that's not plain enough, Peter says, baptism doth also now save you. It's not the removal of the dirt from the flesh. It's not taking a bath in water. It's the appeal. It's the prayer. It's the sinner's prayer for a good conscience. So my friends, you live under that. Whether that makes complete sense to you, we live under that. And that's what's going on with this Ethiopian. He's living under the authority of Scripture. And number three, as he get in, gets into words of God, he hears good news. Now, this is what's so cool to me about this story, guys. And I want you to look at it with me if you have your Bible. Back in Isaiah 53, or look it up on your phone, Isaiah 53, that's the text he's coming from. And it's, it, it's, it, in Isaiah 53, there are ten prophecies in just that one chapter about Jesus. Everything from the way he looked, the way he was raised, to his resurrection. But right in the middle is the description of our redemption. Look at verse 4. 
He says, surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. In, in, in other words, when we saw Jesus on the cross, we thought this dude's in big trouble. He has really blown it. He's getting what he deserves. Not the truth. The key word here is but, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was, his punishment has brought us peace. It was upon him. And by his wounds, we're healed. Well, what's he saying there? When Jesus was punished, he wasn't punished for what he did. He was punished for what we did. You see, the good news is this. Jesus takes our place. We all deserve punishment. We all deserve separation from God because we're sinners and we rebelled against God. But the good news of the gospel is not only does Jesus take our place, listen closely, we take his place. Because Jesus took our place, we now look like Jesus. And when his father looks at us, guess what he sees? He sees perfection. We take his place. That's the good news. You don't get what you deserve, we call that mercy. You get what you don't deserve, we call that grace. And guys, what fascinates me is I don't know how far they read in Isaiah. He might have got to chapter 55, verse 1. Many people think it's a prediction of baptism. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And I really hope he got to chapter 56, where being a eunuch was totally turned on its head in the face of God. Verse 3, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, who hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. Wow. What's he saying there? Man, when Jesus comes and everything changes and a person that was excluded even from the temple now has their name memorialized on the temple. Talking about some good news. He found what he was searching for. And we did that. That brings us to number four. This man surrendered to Jesus immediately. That, That is what's so shocking about this story. So different than most of us would anticipate. Why is this guy baptized in the middle of nowhere. NIV commentary has these words. I think it's pretty right on. I must confess, the writer says, that I do not feel like the church has fully come to grips with the fact in Acts that immediate baptism seems to be the norm. I would erase the word seems. It just flat. Immediate baptism was the norm. I wonder whether the reasons for delay today are more pragmatic than scriptural. See, what he's saying there is, you know, so often we say, let's just put our baptisms off and let's wait. We've got a big gang of people and then we'll, then we'll baptize them. That's not what's going on here. Now, in my life, it, it's, it's these stories and acts that tip the scale of my understanding of baptism. You know, there's primarily two views of baptism. One is baptism is a really great thing to do. It's an act of obedience after your initial response to gospel and after you're saved. And some would say here, it's an outward sign of an inward change. It's showing other people what's already happened to you. 
The other view of baptism is that baptism is something you do immediately when you want to follow Jesus. And it actually has an effect there of you being buried and baptized with Jesus and receiving the remission of your sins and the Holy Spirit. I remember we had a guy coming to church here probably 15 years ago. His name was Bob. And he was really bothered by this because he didn't grow up in any kind of church. And he's hearing these two different views on baptism. He was a student at Auburn University. He told me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going back to my apartment in Auburn. I'm going to lock, I'm going to get enough food to, to live for a week. I'm going to lock myself in. And all I'm going to do is read the Bible, trying to figure out which of these views is true. And when he finally came out, he said, you know what? What really convicted me, what made me think this is a part of the salvation experience is that you don't see any delayed baptisms in Acts. You see, if this view were true, what Philip should have said to this eunuch, this Ethiopian, is, oh man, that's a great idea. I'm so thrilled you want to get baptized. But dude, you need to wait till we get to church on Sunday when there's a bunch of people, and I want you to do it in front of them because you're okay right now. That's not what he says. Because he knows something's going on there. And in my life, when I was confused about this issue, that was the thing that sort of tipped the scale for me. Because you've got to say, as, as I read through the book of Acts, it was just one story after the other, people come to Jesus, which theology fits the story? And I think this, this lends itself to it. So this guy is baptized immediately. And that's why this week, even though we have called today Baptism Celebration Sunday, when Caitlin Sutton wanted to get baptized. Nobody said, wait till Sunday. We don't do that because that's not, as you know, we are under Scripture, not above Scripture. So, number five, after this happens, this man left rejoicing. That's what you notice, too. They rejoice after they've been baptized. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, he's met Jesus. He's heard the good news. He doesn't have to pay for his sins. He's received the forgiveness of his sins. He's received the Holy Spirit. He is a brand new person. He's got a new purpose. In fact, history records, though we don't see this guy again in Scripture, that this man went back to Ethiopia and was a missionary to his country. So we've got a great example here of someone who was baptized on the spot. And maybe today you're thinking about following Jesus. We've got a great example of someone who came heard and was baptized. Because my friends, listen to me. If you understand what's going on, you don't want to slow down. In fact, watch this video and see it in person. This morning, uh, who have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord, and he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. <laughs> and so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Oh, my friends, that's what you get when you understand the message, all right? That dude wasn't waiting. So maybe today you need someone to challenge you to not wait. You've been waiting a long time. So I want, I want to deal with as we close out with some objections to you being baptized today. Number one, I don't know enough 
I hear a lot of people say, my friend, listen to me. I bet you know more than this Ethiopian dude did. I bet you know more than the people in Acts chapter 2 heard the gospel for the first time. Guys, listen to me. There are two prerequisites to baptism and one question. The two prerequisites is that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And you have repented, you've changed your mind about the way you're living, and you want to live for God. That's all there is. There's only one question been asked in baptism the last 2,000 years. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? That's all they were asked. Because listen to me, guys. Baptism is not the end. It is the beginning. And that's why you might notice in the church that we don't practice infant baptism. I'm not trying to be critical there. I'm sure if you were baptized as a baby that that meant a lot to your parents. But what I would like to say to you about adult baptism is that it would mean a lot to you because it's your decision. And you've believed and you've repented. And now in baptism, like we mentioned last week, you're putting your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you have children today and you're wondering about them. Here's, here's one of our issues here, guys, is in the, in the New Testament, we don't, we don't have any example of kids who grow up in this. So what do you do with your children? How do you know they're old enough? How do you, well, let me, let me say this. Here, here's what I do with my kids. Anytime they brought up baptism, I can remember being in the lobby once. We had a prayer meeting. It was really intense. And I'm walking out to the car with my son, Luke. And Luke said, Daddy, I'm ready to be baptized. He's probably seven years old. And I said, Luke, why do you want to get baptized? He said, when we were having this prayer meeting, I was laying on the carpet in the foyer, and I was sweating like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good sign, dude. That's a pretty good sign. But here's what I'd do. Every time they'd bring it up, I'd study it. We'd open the Bible up, and then I'd drop it. And then they bring it up again, I'd study it and we'd drop it. And when they finally wouldn't drop it, then I didn't drop it. Because you, you want them to be ready. That's why we're doing what we're doing today, is to help people to be ready. So, number two, here's another excuse or another reason not to be baptized is, let me first get my life straight. I hear that all the time. Man, I really want to follow Jesus. I want to get my life straight. But before I do this, no, no, listen to me. Here's the truth. You've already proven that you can't get your life straight, no matter how hard you try. So please let me flip the script here. The reason you need to be baptized is you can't get your life right. Only Jesus can get your life right. The only reason and only way you're going to ever live for Jesus is you receiving the Holy Spirit. So please understand this. If you're baptized today, it's like Solomon said. Life doesn't become perfect after your baptism, man. Satan's going to be after you. But that's not the expectation. You know what the Bible calls people that are baptized? You know what he calls them? Babies. You're not a full-grown adult. If you were baptized at 60 today, you would still be a babe in Christ. You're not expected to act like an adult. In fact, when people were baptized in the early centuries, when they came out of the water, they would put a white robe on them to symbolize their purity, and they would give them a glass of milk to say that you are a baby. So, man, if you're ready to begin, this is the beginning. Number three, you go, okay, buddy, but I'm afraid of what people would think. There's a lot of people in this place, and what would they think about me getting baptized? And nobody in here probably even knows I've not been baptized. I want to be real blunt here. If you understand what's at stake here, if you understand what's promised here, 
If you understand how good Jesus is, if you understand the spotlight in this moment is not on you, it's on what Jesus has done for you. If you understand what you can receive by the power of God here, who cares what anybody thinks? In fact, Jesus put it even blunter than I did. If you will confess me, Matthew chapter 10, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in in heaven. If you will not confess me before men, neither will I confess you before my Father in heaven. My friends, this is not about somebody else. You see, if you're afraid of what people will think here, you're never going to live for Jesus out there. Because our issue out there is we're living for other people. We're doing things we wish we weren't doing because other people are doing it. And the step that you've got to take today is to go, you know what? Jesus is so amazing. I do not care what they think. I just want to follow him. So today's the day. Number four, last one. (laughs) I didn't come to be baptized today. You think that Ethiopian got in that chariot that day thinking he was going to get baptized? He probably didn't even know about it. You think those people in Acts chapter 2, when there were 3,000 people baptized on one day, they showed up there when they heard those guys speaking in tongues and thought they were going to get baptized? They thought it was a crazy thing. And my friends today, man, you don't have to come here ready to be baptized. You just come here to make a decision. In fact, let me illustrate it this way. If you came here today and we got everybody to write their names down and we took a drawing at the end of the church, and in that drawing, I said, I'm about to draw for one person, and I I get your name, and and the drawing is for a million dollars. And I call your name out, would you say, "Uh, buddy, I wasn't expecting to get a million dollars today, so too bad. Sorry about that. (laughs) Guys, what God is offering you is... the. 10,000 more than a million dollars. So if you didn't come, it's okay. In fact, we're ready, man. We got shirts for you to put on. We got a shirt you can take. We got towels. We even got blow dryers back here. I mean, whatever you need, we're ready. And God's calling you. Because listen to me, God is still searching for one more. You think about all the things that came together for this one man. There's an angel that took the initiative. There's Philip who moves away from Samaria to this road to preach to one person. There's Philip who runs beside a chariot. There's this Ethiopian who just happens to be reading Isaiah 53 and who just happens to understand the good news about Jesus and says, I got to do it right now. You think that was coincidence? I'd say not. God's all over that. And what I would say to you today is it may not be a coincidence that you're here today. You've been knowing that life needs to be better. You've been knowing you need a marker. You've been knowing you need a new beginning. And today could be that day. In fact, what I would say to you is today would you think about this. Now, here's what we're going to do. We've got some cards in your copy of Lifelines And if you don't have a lifeline, raise your hand right now, if you would, okay? Please raise your hand. And I want you to take this little card out. Get your hands up high. They're coming down the aisles because everybody's supposed to fill this card out today. This can help us out. You're not going to have to turn this in unless you want to, okay? We've got some people down here who need some cards. Anybody over here doesn't have a lifeline? Over here, 
Would everybody have this chance? Because this is so crazy exciting. Okay. While they're getting those cards to you, if you get if you get your card out, everybody, go ahead and put your name on it. Put your phone number. There's four places for you to, to check. First box is I want to be baptized today. Man, I've heard this. I want this. I don't care what anybody thinks. Second is for those of us who've been baptized. I don't remember my baptism today. What was it like? You say, buddy, what do you think about rebaptism? Well, well let me say this. I, I'm not big into rebaptisms. I, I think if you are baptized for any biblical reason, out of obedience to God, permission of your sins, to be a new person for the Holy Spirit, nobody understood it all. But if, if you knew you loved Jesus and you wanted to follow Him, my goodness, you've had a great baptism. Only time there might be for quote unquote rebaptism is if you go, you know what? I didn't understand anything what I was doing. The only reason I did it back when I was seven years old is my parents made me do it. Or I went to summer Bible camp and all my buddies were lining up to get baptized and I want to get left out, so I just got in line. My friends, I wouldn't say you need to be rebaptized. I would say you need to be baptized, okay? So, you might check today. I want to be baptized today. I want to remember my baptism. Number three, I want to talk to someone about being baptized. Maybe it's still not coming together in your head and you've got some questions. Or number four, from Paul's challenge, I want to live like a baptized person. I've not been living it. No one would look at me and go, whoa, that guy was baptized, man. He is a new person. Now, whatever you check on the front of your card is determined we're going to all write something on the back side of the card. This will be the first time you've used your songbook in a decade. So take your songbook out so you can write down, okay? If you check, I want to be baptized today, would you take a minute just to write why you want to be baptized? Because I want you to remember this day. I want you to remember the moment and why you did it. If you check, I want to remember my baptism today, I want you to write just your memory of when you were baptized. What was it like? I can remember when I was baptized. I was 11 years old. You know, I'd want to be baptized for a while, but my mama had this thing that you couldn't get baptized till you were 12. And I can still remember we lived on Delray to Parkway. I still remember the gray carpet. I remember walking up those stairs and going to the right where she was in her bathroom putting her makeup on for church on Wednesday night. And I peeked my head in there and I said, Mom, I don't care what you say. I'm getting baptized tonight. And I did it. It was some cold water, but I did it. It was actually Gail's dad, Claude Flynn, that baptized me. It's an awesome time. And today, that may be what you need to remember. Because I, I tell you guys, I can remember how I felt. I can remember when I walked out the front steps of that, that church. Man, I felt like I could put hell out with a water pistol. I mean, I was so fired up. I thought, this is awesome. So remember that. You need to remember that. They'll change you. If you say, I want to talk to someone about being baptized, write down your questions. Just put your questions here. What are you wondering about here? Or if you want to live like a baptized person, you had not been living that way, use this card to write out your confession. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you some time to write, so go ahead and start writing. Everybody needs to do this. You look down the aisle and someone's not doing it, punch them, okay? That's pretty good. Okay. So write down. Now, if, if you're ready to be baptized today, bring me this card in just a moment, and you'll get baptized just like the Ethiopian on the spot. If you've written out a confession because you've not been living like a baptized person, you're ready to confess it and be prayed for by the church, bring me this card and we'll read it. 
If you don't remember your baptism, I want you to write it down. I want you to take it to your life group, your small group this week. And everybody, that's all we're going to do basically is share what happened in our baptism. And if you want to talk to someone about being baptized, write your name on there and leave it on the pew. I've already got a stack of them from first service. And we'll call you. And you can meet with somebody and talk about what this means. So take a moment to write that down. I want to close with these words and keep writing if you need to. Acts 22, 16. This is what God may be saying to you today. Exactly what Ananias said to Saul. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You got a legitimate excuse? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away calling on the name of the Lord. You see, my friends, let me give it one more illustration. If I had a cure for cancer today, and you've got cancer bad, would you turn the medicine down because you don't perfectly understand how it works? Would you walk out of here without the cure for your cancer because you're afraid of what people might think? Would you say, well, you know, buddy, I know you got the cure for cancer, but I didn't come to be cured today. No, no. You would say exactly what the Ethiopian said, what stands in my way of being baptized? And we will say exactly to you what Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ." the Son of the living God, and he was baptized on the spot. So we're going to sing this first verse while you're seated and still writing. If you know what you're going to do today, if you need to confess or be baptized, go ahead and come down. We'll get ready. If not, just take your time and write it. By the second verse, we'll all be standing. Let's begin to sing and think about what we need to do today.